This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. I'm Leah Payne. I'm a historian, author, professor, and in these precedented times. See? Fixed it. You are something else. My name is Brian Doak. I'm a professor and biblical scholar, and for solely introvert reasons, I love wearing masks in public, and I think I always will. Today, we are bringing you a bootleg version of another Weird Religion news festival where we try to wow each other with very strange religious news stories. Warning, iPhone quality, but it's okay. Join us. Join us. All right, friends, we're in a coffee shop, and the recording quality is here is not amazing, but this is what we've got for you, and you have to accept it. This particular coffee shop is, maybe it's, it's the site of a lot of our best slash worst ideas, so <laughs> here we are. We're in Chapters. Chapters in Newburgh. Yeah, come buy Chapters books and coffee. Okay, chapters in Newburgh, Oregon. It's a very quaint little corner shop spot in a quaint town. But you know what? We're bringing you here remotely, just here at a coffee shop, just like two friends talking. We're going to bring you an episode of The News. The News from Weird Religion. And um, we're going to go for this one. Um, oh, and we have a little programming note to give you as well, because what we're going to do is we're going to do, we're, 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 this one is is, is this week's um, episode, The News here, where we're going to talk about what we talk about, five, five articles each. Um, done all lightning round style, and um, we will quickly comment on them, trading back and forth to shock and amuse each other and you. But then we're going to have two more episodes this season. We've been in season six. Um, I'll tease them right now by saying one is about how Facebook is trying to get into the church business. Kind of strange. We think that'll be basically the season finale. But before that... Wait, what? We've got... Uh, you could pitch the, uh, the electric oh, Jesus. yeah, yeah. Before that, we have a really amazing interview with the writer-director of a new darling indie film called Electric Jesus about a bunch of Christian heavy metal rockers in the 1980s. And friends, you are going to love this conversation. I can't wait for it. So that's what you've got coming up um, in the next two weeks. And then we're going to take a break between seasons um, during the month of, you know, mostly October. Um, September and October and we're going to cook up some new content we're going to get better at all kinds of things and we're going to come back at you in your faces yeah I, we, we hope to create something that will be I don't know extra weird extra fun for you so you got the fall of 2021 it's our year friends it's our year weirdos so so don't worry contrary to what you may have heard about 2020 and 2021 contrary to what everything may seem to your eyes and ears we are preaching to you a gospel of great things coming uh this fall so um so uh three more episodes in this season including this little bootleg episode of the news leah why don't you go first okay i've got something for you and it's going to require your participation mm. ready to, is google up oh you want yeah i have to google okay. this yep Okay, Google the, well, actually, Google ElijahList.com. You're going to thank me. Okay, I've Googled it. I'm waiting. ElijahList.com. What am I looking at? This is a news prophecy site based, including, (laughs) including prophecies about many things and... Um, I just want you to observe it, friends. 
weirdos, we know some of you follow along with us. Just just log into Elijah List. It's actually, I think, based in Canby, Oregon. And there's a daily prophecy for your review. I, this is giving me like, um, the, you know, back when we were in college, when, when the internet websites were like a thing, there were these sites called tripod sites. People in their 40s may be into this. And this, this is reminding me of those vibes visually. Like it's kind of a little bit like a very poor design and there's like kind of some weird ads. What's the, uh, what's the prophecy for today? Well, uh, today's prophecy has to do with, it's, it's, um, has to do with, oh shoot, Abraham. And um, it has to do with moving from glory to glory. It has to do with establishing the kingdom. This is the interesting thing about these prophecy sites because I follow this stuff just for my own work. And it, a lot of times, even though they claim to be like prophetic words for the now, they don't have a lot of concrete details. Like you asked me, what is the word? And I don't even really know if there's anything concrete here, but it does. It's from someone from Texas. Anyway, I highly recommend just checking in on what's the prophecy news these days. Yeah, I see the top one says, God says, let the word work for you. I was always of the kind of religious mindset, like I work for God. <laughs> But, you know, that's a working class thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. This is kind of a serious one. This is very recent. In an address to the nation, Biden used the book of Isaiah to compare U.S. troops to prophets. You have to weigh in on this. Old Testament guy. Hebrew Bible guy. Compared troops to prophets. How How so? I don't, I don't, what's, what's the reference? Yeah. He said, this is the quote from his speech. American military has been answering for a long time. Here I am, Lord, send me. Oh, dang. That's from Isaiah <laughs> chapter six. I feel uncomfortable with that. Um, I feel uncomfortable with that for many reasons, but I get it. It's, it's, this is the way that it works. I mean, you, this just goes to show you, you can't, this is my controversial, uh, maybe not thesis, which I would need to check in with political scientists and actual historians about whether you can actually separate a nation from a national religion. Like, is it even possible? Yeah, there's a lot of conversation about that happening right now on the Twitter world, in the Twitter world. But I think what's interesting about this is it's very politicized because, of course, Donald Trump used a lot of bible type things, even though he was, this is the interesting thing to me is that Biden is clearly more biblically literate than Trump. And they're both using the Bible to kind of create a national imagination. I think it's just, I think if you're the president, whether you like it or not, as a citizen, it's what you have to do. Well, it's funny because we had our, my our friend, friend of the show, Jimmy Bird from Vanderbilt Divinity School, who's written a lot about this, about how the Bible ha- is used as a sort of public script for creating a sense of the nation for better or for worse. So, and maybe, and some people think that it's only worse to do that. But anyway, I had to get at your take on that as a Bible scholar. Your turn. Okay, I've got a serious one too on a similar note on the Afghanistan debacle of the withdrawal. Um, This is a fascinating article, and I want to read a part of it, which is both, it's a little bit funny, but it's mostly sad, but it's it's very strange. The whole article is worth reading. It's from The Atlantic um, by Ian Fritz. It's called, What I Learned While Eavesdropping on the Taliban. I spent 600 hours listening in on the people who now run Afghanistan, like in intelligence. It wasn't until the end of my tour that I understood what they were telling me. And there's a deep message at the end, but I'm just going to read one excerpt from it. He says, on rare occasions, they could even make me laugh. One winter in northern Afghanistan, where the average elevation is somewhere above 7,000 feet, 
and the average temperature is somewhere below freezing, the following discussion took place. And this is a quote from what he overheard. Quote, go place the IED down there at the bend. They won't see it. Quote, it can wait till morning. No, it can't. The Americans could come early. We need to get it down there. As, we need to get there, down there to kill as many as we can. Uh, I think I'll wait. No, you won't wait. Go place it. Do I have to? Yes, go do it. I don't want to. Brother, why not? We must jihad. Brother, it's too cold to jihad. And so, <laughs> I, you know, and he writes, yes, this joke came in the middle of plans to kill the men I was supposed to protect, but it wasn't any less absurd for it. And he wasn't wrong. It made me think of the way that you know, we think of, of faith and religious movements, no matter what they are, as being like so ethereal, so unconnected to just like our emotions and our feelings and whether we, you know, whether it's too hot or too cold, but it's like this eavesdrop conversation shows these people engaged in this struggle, like talking about being too cold to carry out the religious wow. mission. This really is fascinating to me because I've just been talking with my five-year-old about things like death and war. So he had, you know, somebody had told him you should be in the army and He's also very sensitive to things like dying and being, and I was, I was trying to explain it to him. And I was thinking about this conversation with my dad that I had when I was a kid about snafu. You know what snafu means? Oh, oh yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, so it's like, it's like, it's an army, yeah, ac- an army. Ac- you know, situation normal all bleeped up. And when I hear that kind of stuff, the absurdity of like people trying to kill each other, it makes me think snafu happens all around yeah all right your turn wait my turn my turn oh yeah okay this is a website this isn't even a news story but a friend of mine is a very talented graphic designer and she has like six thousand followers in her little in her large community and she was telling me about this group called sistersenchanted.com making magic mainstream it is basically a duo of sisters who teach magic classes and they have a school of magic and she says that it is a huge business and you can do things you can explore everyday magic or explore astrology and it's like this vibrant form of income as well as i don't know shared magical imagination and i just think how would that look in the ancient world do you have an opinion on that oh ancient scholar uh, I think it would look great. I love your phrase, vibrant form of income. <laughs> That's very attractive to me. Okay, next one. Um, okay, I'll do the more serious one and then save my more lighthearted one okay. for last. Um, this is an opinion piece in the New York Times recently. Um, it is by Lee Stein. Um, it's called The Empty Religions of Instagram. How did influencers become our moral authorities? I don't need to comment too much on it, but I will just pick up one thing that that the author wrote about toward the end. The author mentions um, Glennon Doyle's Instagram about how people will even sometimes confess very vulnerable things. And and, um, the author recounts one period where somebody somebody makes a a comment um, and the author says, I was struck by the vulnerable comment she left on one of Miss Doyle's Instagram posts in which she unloaded the litany of hardships she'd experienced last year. I noticed it went unanswered, a confession without a confessor. Okay, yes, I read that a while back and I thought it was the most fascinating article. And one of the things that I thought about was it really, okay, so I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about are these things less real? Like, or are they a different version of reality? They are a disembodied interaction with people, but I do think that they are sort of real. The confess 
The confession without a confessor was a really haunting and well-written phrase. And I don't know what to do with that. But I will say, I think there's a little bit of hand-wringing about the kinds of communities that are built on these platforms. And I don't, I don't always know if they take into account the ways of knowing and interacting with people, how those things are changing. Because I wouldn't say that they're not real, but I would say that they're different. All that, all that to say, I, I still prefer in person. And I think that they are worthwhile. What are your thoughts on that? Well, no, I, I, I think there a word like real is always going to be used kind of rhetorically, right? right. Like it's, it's not There's that it's moral. clearly, it, clearly, clearly you're, you are definitely literally correct that it is real. And it's very non, I think it's a good, there's, there's a, a good scholar's lack of judge, lack of uh, reserving negative judgment by saying it's real because it is real. The, the rhetorical claim would be that it's not real in the right way, right? right, right. That it's not, um, and clearly that's, that's the opinion that the author comes to near the end, but you could read the article and decide for yourself. And this was, this was from March, but I just thought it was so fascinating. I pulled it back in. So I violated the rules, not super recent news. Well, one of the questions that always comes to mind on this is like, who experiences it more, the lurkers or the brands? You know, the, so the Glennon Doyles of the world, Glennon is so big. Could Glennon respond to every single comment? Of course not. And then that makes me wonder, for whom is the world more consuming? The person who is a, maybe is like a very devoted fan but doesn't have a large followership themselves? It really messes with how we think about who, who is a like self and what is the realist instantiation of that self and i'm sure we could go nuts on that one but okay okay um this one is um okay story free this one is just for you dr brian doke after <laughs> after award win christian romance novel draws criticism for romanticized genocide of native americans <laughs> this is it's not, yeah, obviously that part's not funny, but At Love's Command, this year's winner for Romance Writers of America's Vivian Award for Best Romance with Religious or Spiritual Elements has stirred controversy. Are you a romance novel reader? Yes or no? Uh, nope. <laughs> Me neither. But I'm interested in the genre, in the Christian genre of it. And it's a really fascinating story by uh, an excellent reporter at Religion News Service, Emily McFarlane Miller, who explores how these sort of, so the, there, there's this whole series or whole genres of romance novels and Christian romance novels that are set in a mythic past. And this is one is in a Western one where the person basically experiences no real remorse for participating. Uh, he's a ex-Calvary um, officer uh, cavalry, not cavalry, cavalry officer who participates in Wounded Knee in South Dakota and has almost no remorse for the actual human beings. But what's fascinating to me is that how long people have gotten away with that kind of thing. So I don't even know. I want to hear your thoughts. What are they? I, I, I just can't even imagine. I, I can't even, sarcasm. I can't imagine how a storyline like that would drift into problematic territory. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that's the funny. Yeah, that's the fascinating part about it. It's a really well-written. I mean, I just don't know that the genre could could hold up under any more um, 
investigative journalist pieces, I think the whole thing might fall apart after that. Yeah, I I think we've pushed this genre to its limits. (laughs) You know, why don't we have like people going into outer space and evangelizing out there? Um, I've actually read two books semi-recently about missionaries in space. That's a topic for another time. We should do an episode about that. Okay. Okay, and finally, friends, thank you for bearing with us. Final one. Were you, by the way, question first, are, are you or were you a fan of the Matrix trilogy? Uh, I was never a fan of the Matrix. What? I know you think I would be. They're, they're all the ingredients are right for that, but I don't know. I just, even though I love Keanu Reeves, I don't know. Were you? Yeah, I loved it. Oh. So when I heard that there's a fourth one coming out, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm reserving judgment. But anyway, the Matrix 4 title revealed during trailer, during presentation at CinemaCon. And what is the title? The Matrix Resurrections. Oh, okay. So somebody's getting resurrected. You know what? I saw a tweet about that, and now I'm just remembering it because I forgot that news story. But then the tweet said something about, like, every youth pastor is so excited about this movie or something. And then I remembered how The Matrix got used by so many youth pastors. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, totally. Well, you know, some of it's usable, some of it's not, I would guess, for those purposes. But it's, it's, it's cool action. And I think the whole red pill, blue pill thing, what world are you living in kind of thing. And obviously that's been appropriated many ways. And so that was like the cool teacher move to make. I remember because it was like I remember I had a teacher who had like a red and a blue pill at the top of their door. And it was like, which world are you going to live in, students? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. Keep it weird, everyone. We're trying to help you. For extras on subjects covered in this episode and other related jokes, don't forget to follow us on the socials and visit our website, weirdreligion.com. Our official theme music is still by Cassie Blum, but we're doing some of our own musical stylings. Hope you love it. And our album artwork, as always, is by John Williams. When you podcast, please podcast with us. Thanks, everyone.